Well, again, welcome. Let me just tell you right now and remind you that it is Thanksgiving, not Christmas, okay? Like, this is the way it ought to be. Wait your turn, fat boy. You need to ho, ho, hold up, right? Um, this is the week where mom is like a dinosaur, getting ready for Thanksgiving and when people arrive. That's the difference, right? Uh, yeah, well, hi, everybody. Glad you're here. I mean, it, we're going to have a ton of extra people, too, and it's awesome. My wife asked me to smoke a turkey, which I'm glad to do, and I've already been brining it. Um, it's all ready to go. It's going to taste like, now yeah, you know. Um, I, my wife and I were in the Holy Land uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we got to do something that we'd never done um, on any of our other trips. We crossed over the Jordan River back into the desert area where the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the desert. And what was momentous for me was going up on Mount Nebo, where Moses finally ended up as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And I just had this real moment of identification with Moses because he had led God's children in the desert for 40 years. And I realized that next May, I will have been 40 years doing full-time pastoral ministry. So it's like I had this identification, and the first service clapped, and then I reminded them that Moses died there. So thank you for not clapping. <laughs> um, hopefully that won't happen. But the, but the exodus that God uh, asked Moses to lead his kids through did not go according to plan. Um, they were not easy to lead, and um, all we know is about, about God's kids during that time, for the most part, is that they were whiny, and they complained a lot, and they were unfaithful. And as I think about it, as I thought about it over the last couple of weeks from a leadership perspective, it cracks me up, because Moses is writing all of this, okay, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, he's writing all this in his old age. So he is writing the history of the children of Israel for those 40 years. And he's just mostly writing, they ticked me off, they made me mad, they complained a lot. I, and finally God said, I've had enough, you kids go to your room and don't come out for 40 years. Basically, that's the story, right? There's nothing in there about, wow, we had a really fun soccer game with the tribe of Gad today. Those guys are really talented. There's nothing in there about, oh, the children in Reuben's kids' church made me a homemade card last week. It was so sweet. For the most part, Exodus is mostly just about Moses complaining that his congregation did nothing but complain. It reminds me of a great old monk joke. Everybody needs one monk joke, right? Guy goes to a monastery that is a silence monastery. They have these. He could only say two words at the end of every 10 years. So at the end of his first 10 years, the head of the monastery goes, okay, what are your two words? And he says, bad food. 10 more years, the guy says, okay, what are your two, two words? The guy says, hard bed. <laughs> Ended 30 years. He says, okay, what are your two words? I quit. And the head monk said, well, you might as well, all you do is complain anyway, <laughs> right? I mean, that's the pa there's a pattern here. They did complain. Leadership in Exodus 14, they bring, he brings them to the Red Sea, and they get stuck there, and they're like, why did you do this? Why did you free us from slavery? They forgot that part. Why did you do that? And now here we are, we're going to die, right? That's Exodus 14. Exodus 15, we don't have any. They, they go through the Red Sea. They get out there, and they're like, we don't have any water. So God's like, okay, and he brings water out of a rock. Exodus 16, you see a pattern? 
They complained that they were starving to death. We don't have anything to eat. So God sends bread down from heaven every day, fell from the sky. Exodus 17, they griped again. We don't have any water again. And God provided again. And you read all the way through there and you get all the way up to Numbers 11. And and it says that they were tired of the manna and they wanted meat. They wanted protein. And and that was kind of like the last straw for Moses. So I'm going to read you a passage of scripture that you have never, ever heard a, 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 a pastor preach from. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. I mean, maybe he's exaggerating a little bit. Oh, Moses was troubled. And he asked the Lord, what have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. I read that to my staff this week. I mean, he's just like fed up with it, right? So finally, the 40-year timeout in the desert is over, and Joshua leads him into the promised land. But here's my point. In, in the New Testament, Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about the children of Israel in the desert. And he said that the reason that that whole story, all of this complaining thing is in the Bible is because God wanted us to have an example so we don't do those things. Listen to this. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And then he gives three categories for the things that made God mad. Don't be idolaters, and I'm abbreviating all this a little bit. Don't be idolaters, do not commit sexual immorality, and do not grumble. Isn't that awesome? Sexual immorality and grumble. Now, do those three things fit in the same category to you? I mean, idolaters, they made a golden calf. Of course, God is going to be mad about that. Sexual immorality, yeah, okay, it's always going to be on there, but grumbling? Wow, those don't fit to me. And I don't know about you, but if you put me out in the desert eating manna for 40 years, I'd probably complain too, especially if it was gluten-free manna. That would be terrible. (laughs) So how do we turn it around this week? Interestingly, Thanksgiving is from the same root word as think. So to think is to thank, okay? And that's why I, when I started the service, I talked about just being able to have the time to, to sit there and, and listen to some music and contemplate all the amazing things that God has done. I'm just looking at some people that were a part of that journey, all of the stories that we could celebrate through those times. All we had to do was stop and think, and then we would thank. And that's why the Apostle Paul could say, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay? I know I struggle with that verse like you do, because the hard part is not the give thanks part, is it? It's this word right here. It's the all. All. That's a different story. That's the hard side of thanksgiving, and that's where a lot of us are. Surely, all circumstances doesn't apply when the doctor says your mom's got Alzheimer's. All circumstances can't apply when you can't pay your rent or you're on permanent disability or you're late for work and the idiot in front of you is going 45 in the passing lane. Surely it doesn't mean all circumstances, or does it? Well, 
It does. And actually, Paul says we should give thanks in all circumstances because that's God's will for us in Christ. And I looked up the word, the Greek word all, and you know what it means? All, yeah. Like, like there's, not, there's not a place, like no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter who likes us, no matter how healthy we are or how sick, no matter how wealthy or loved or good-looking we feel or the opposite, we give thanks in all circumstances. And that's hard for me, and I'm guessing it's hard for you too. And part of that's just because we're surrounded by messages that, that make us not content, right? It's, it's on our phones, it's on our screens, it's on everything all around us, billboards. Don't be content, you need this. And, and so instead of a grateful heart, we complain. And unfortunately, when we complain, we're focusing on the wrong thing and it also makes God mad. And it makes our life miserable. So when Paul says give thanks in all circumstances, please understand that he did not write those words like I wrote these words from the comfort of a plush corner office in a multi-million shekel building. He wrote those words in between attacks by the Jews who were opposing him. He wrote Philippians, which I'll read for you in a second, under house arrest in Rome. Paul endured a tremendous amount of abuse for the gospel. If anybody had reason to be like Moses in the New Testament, it would have been Paul. He'd been opposed, threatened, beaten, attacked on numerous occasions, stoned and left for dead. And yet, listen to what he writes in Philippians. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. I'll explain this in a second. You have been concerned, but had no opportunity to show it, okay? I'm not saying, let, let me just explain that, okay? He's in jail, and they were trying to send him aid, and, and it just couldn't get there because he's in jail. It's hard to do that, Okay? I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know that verse, right? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, I know that one. But Paul's writing that from prison. And and again, the Philippians had tried to help him, and and it didn't work. And then finally the help got there. So he's writing to them saying, thank you for trying, and thank you that I finally got the gifts. But you know what? That's not not why I love you. I'm not happy because the gifts are here. I wasn't unhappy when the gifts weren't there. I'm not unhappy because I'm in prison in Philippi. I wasn't more happy because I was greeted by the elders in Ephesus. I wasn't more content at Aquila and Priscilla's house where they were taking care of me. And I'm not less content when I'm on board a ship bound for Rome, chained to a guard for two years of my life. Why? Because I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. So if you want to know the secret to thanksgiving... It's Jesus. I know you're like, I came out in this weather for that? (laughs) Online, you're like, I could have been watching Osteen for crying out loud. What are you talking about? I, I get it, okay? I do. But seriously, if you think about it, does anything else really matter? 
I mean, Paul said it over and over to the church in Colossae. He said, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom. Go back, if you've been around here, to the Lord's Prayer, right? Our daddy who is in heaven and has all the power, hallowed be your name. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Deliver us from evil. We know it's because you're a good dad who's there. And we have an inheritance with the saints in the kingdom because of Jesus. That's what thanksgiving is. And as Christians, every day is thanksgiving for us. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All things through Christ. Give thanks for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the problem with the children of Israel was that they kept forgetting that God had rescued them from slavery. If they have the perspective that they've been released from slavery, not having enough food, it's not that big a deal. Not having enough water is not that big a deal. Being up against the Red Sea is not a big deal because God just led them out of slavery. Sometimes they literally told Moses, why don't you take us back to Egypt? Because they were thinking with their stomachs, they were thinking with their carnal needs instead of the big picture. Gratitude, I say this every Thanksgiving, is from the same root word as grace. It's the same thing. If Thanksgiving is to think, then we need to think, and gratitude comes from grace. And don't forget what next season is about. The key to thanksgiving is Jesus. The key to thanksgiving in your past and your present and your future is Jesus. So we're going to take a little bit of time and and do a little bit of reflection. And I'm going to invite you to do communion after that time is over. And again, if you want to write some notes down on this card and and take a picture of it so you remember it and drop it off for us, we will pray for you over the Thanksgiving holidays or if you just want that as a reminder. And here are the two questions. What's something you're asking God for in the future? And what is a dream that you hope will be realized in your future? Either, Either way you look at it. What is something you're asking of God in the future? And while you're doing that, please take the attitude of Paul and realize, you know what? My past sometimes has been good, sometimes it's been bad. My present is sometimes good and sometimes bad. But my future is 100% secure because I can do all things in Christ. Take just a moment and we'll do this together.
We're going to do communion together because it just seems like, I mean, we do this every week. And if you're not from Parkview, you're welcome to join us. If you're a believer, there's a little thin piece of cellophane on top. Pull that off and there's bread there. And then under the foil is the, is the juice. And I just want you to, uh, I just want you to understand that when Jesus died for us, it released us from slavery. And our future is with him. And maybe you're here at the service today and you're, you're not sure you have all of that to be thankful for on Thursday. Then tell him you want him. Open up your heart and say, Jesus, as I take these elements today, as I take this bread and drink this cup, I need your grace. I want you, I want that hand on the shoulder that Brian talked about to be you right now, Lord, guiding me, leading me. And even if it's not a real thankful time in my life right now, I will give thanks in all circumstances because of you, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. and the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Would you stand with me together? And I'd like to do the Lord's Prayer together. Um, I don't have a cheat sheet for you. Just see how it goes. Um, we'll do trespasses, and we will add the little bit at the end. And um, let's just do this together, and then I'll pray us out of here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May he Make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift his countenance upon us and give us peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and forever. Amen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for being here.